Hello, true believers. Welcome to the first episode of the Weird Waters podcast. You can find us on all social media at Weird Waters Pod. Uh, you can also check out our email at weirdwaterspod at gmail.com. Please be sure to find us at our home website, which will be dadecountycomedy.com. We will have all the links, episodes, and anything you would like to find out about Weird Wars Podcast located on our website. The AU Podcast should be available there, as well as on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to our first episode. The first episode, just to explain what Weird Wars Podcast is going to be about. My name is Raul. I, I am a comedian here in Miami, but this is not really going to be a comedic podcast. It's going to be more about podcasts about just literally the title, Weird Waters. In the earth, on the earth, only 5% of the ocean has been explored. What do I mean by that? Of the seven seas, the oceans, the lakes, rivers, and creeks of this blue planet we're on only 5% of that has been mapped explored and seen by human eyes everything else a lot of people like saying no it's not it's more like 50% or something like that but when we describe that 50% we're only described as mapped or what that means is sonar mapping meaning using a depth finder really a lot most grand majority of the ocean and the seas and the deep waters have been entirely unexplored. Every time that there are grants and research funds available to explore the deep oceans like the Marianas Trench, so have you, we find almost 20 new species every time. Every time we drop down into the ocean. That's a crazy number. And that's what this podcast is about. This podcast is about us exploring the weirdness, the strangeness, and the beauty of the ocean. I have this fondness for it because I, at one point in my life, really wanted to be a marine biologist. Jacques Cousteau is still one of my greatest heroes and a person I look up to very strongly. Uh, for those of you who do not know who Jacques Cousteau is, Jacques Cousteau is pretty much the grandfather marine biologist. He was the first one to create scuba gear, the aqualung, and other apparatuses. Uh, snorkeling in general was a practice that was made famous by Jacques Cousteau. So everything you have as far as exploring, looking down in the waters... All of that, that is all Jacques Cousteau. So I love that guy. Uh, I love the ocean in general. I've lived in Miami my whole life. And I uh, love the fact that we are surrounded by water. And it's just something that's always interested me. From movies like The Abyss, Jaws, uh, countless other films, Leviathan. It's another one I can name off the top of my dome. There are a ton of great films that discuss how mysterious and how weird and awesome the blue parts of our planet are. 
So without further ado, I would like to take this first episode to explore one of my favorite little topics, one of my favorite things about the ocean. It was this little phenomenon that happened in 1997 called the bloop. What is the bloop, you may be asking? The bloop is the sound that was recorded using underwater speakers, using underwater micro microphones. And it was recorded by NOAA. NOAA, uh, for those of you who do not know the acronym, is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They're the people that track hurricanes. They track all weather is going on, El Nino, what have you. It is NOAA. NOAA is basically the information database for everything you can think of that is water, that is wind, that is weather. NOAAs are the people. Why is NOAA important? Because NOAA knows all, I mean, they have so much scientific backing. They have so much funding uh, as an organization that they're able to provide to the United States and also to other global organizations. So, what happens in 1997? What's this bloop? The bloop occurs. <laughs> the bloop occurs somewhere on the southern point of South America. Using deep underwater microphones and sound equipment that was available in those late 90s time. They track a sound that until 2012 was an anomaly, was something out of this world, was something unexplained by modern science at that point. The bloop lasts about a minute, maybe 11 seconds, uh, between 11 seconds to a minute because some sites have it like re on repeat some sites is really just one sound but it's a banana sound when you think about it it's just maybe i'll put it later in in the end of this episode but i recommend just looking it up it has its own wikipedia page it has its own website dedicated to it the bloop b-l-o-o-p it's a crazy sound because for a long time, for most of the time, from 1997 till 2012, most of the scientific community considered it was made by a marine animal. And if it was made by a marine animal, it was something that to produce that sound, to produce that frequency and that amount of hertz for the noise it was making. To be able to be picked up from miles, miles away. By these underwater microphones. It was speculated that it had to be an animal. About five times the size of a blue whale. I want you to imagine that. Blue whale is a hundred feet long. It's the biggest mammal on the world. It's the biggest animal we have. And this thing. If it made this noise. Was five times the size of that guy. The bloop is important to pop culture because the ideas of Cloverfield, the ideas of the abyss, the ideas of other science fiction, scary monster movies 
that came out years after the bloop were based on it. It was based on this idea that there is a huge, massive, gigantic creature on the bottom of the ocean just waiting to pop up, waiting to cause massive destruction, or waiting to just be discovered. It's always interested me because, as I said prior, there's only 5% of the ocean's floor that's ever been explored. It's only 5% of the sea, of the want. Think about the billions of people that live, that have lived and lived on Earth. And we only got 5% out of it, guys. 5%, considering all the technology, all the advancements that we have as a race, of, uh, as a species. We still haven't been able to map the place we live on. And the idea that there is something down there that would shake skyscrapers, something the size of Godzilla, literally living on the bottom of the ocean floor. Bananas. Recently, we found out that there are families of funguses that live under the ground in certain forest areas in Europe and in America that span for like almost a mile long. What I mean by that is that there is a fungus, there's actual living organism that is about a mile long in these funguses. Many people interpret it as like when in these forests, whenever you look at like an overview of a forest, like when you see like a drone camera shot or like a helicopter shot of a forest, and all of a sudden you see like this big patch that's just a pair that's just a plains in the middle of this vast, dense forest. Many people believe those plains are created because in the ground there is a fungus that is overtaking the, the the soil there. That's why no trees grow there. That's that isn't that crazy? One fungus, one huge organism. I know it's not moving, it's not crazy, it's not doing anything that will cause you any type of interruption in your day. But it's still a live organism. Trees do this too. Some of the trees we have down here in Florida do that. They're interconnected with their root systems. That's why I see like sometimes a big grouping of trees, especially in big cypress and in a lot of areas of Florida and the swamps. Where it's just a big gathering of trees and you see like a spike growing out of the ground in these gathering trees because the root systems are connected. So you can even make the the conclusion if you want that they're kind of hive mind that they could also be acting as one organism but i'm i'm digressing here cuz i'm just trying to explain how how crazy it is that there is an animal or there at least it was thought that there was an animal down on the bottom of the ocean that could eat a blue whale pretty much five times the size of a blue whale guys five times the size and we didn't have a clue. No scientist, no marine biologist, no biologist in general had a clue of what was going on. We didn't have the resources or, or the manpower to do this exploration. It was later determined in 2012 
that this noise was actually created by ice calving or was known as like glacial movements under the water and that's what created like this sound that's because a lot of people when they first thought of the bloop just to give you some background into this when people first heard about the bloop a lot of people thought it had to do with the ring of fire it had to do with the tectonic plate shifts it was off the south it was off the coast of south america which also involves the ring of fire the ring of fire is a big huge tectonic plate which basically encompasses the pacific ocean and it's the reason why there's so many typhoons in japan why there's so many of uh, volcanic activity in like hawaii and stuff like that it's this it's called the ring of fire because this plate is consistently moving consistently creating either volcanoes or typhoons or some sort of tectonic movement that can be disastrous to a land or to a population of people. It's actually a funny way of naming the Pacific Rim and the Pacific Rim movies is the whole idea of it. Like it's not the Pacific Rim, the ring of fire of, of the tectonic plate. It was like this interdimensional portal in downtown down the middle of the Pacific. But that's uh, explaining what the original thought of the bloop was. Originally, a lot of people thought it was a tectonic plate movement. But because the way the sound comes off, the way it's made, it couldn't be generated. It couldn't be a result of tectonic plate movement, that sound. It was too organic. So many people then came to the conclusion that it was an animal that was an organism that created this noise in 2012 it was theorized and it's kind of the working theory behind the bloop now that it was some type of underwater glacier or some type of again ice calving that created this this sound but I don't believe that too much at least I don't like to believe that Lately, I feel like a lot of scientists, they're not educated hypotheses. They're not truly practicing the uh, the scientific method, if you will. They're assuming, which we all know assumptions do. I really uh, enjoy this topic. I really enjoy the bloop. Because, again, a lot of pop culture movies... I popped that beat really hard. A lot of pop culture movies resulted from this. So Cloverfield being the most famous example. The first Cloverfield movie, which is about a big animal that comes out of the ocean. Pacific Rim is a little bit based on the bloop. A lot of films in general that are about a huge creature rising up from the waters is based on the bloop. The thing is, you can make an argument that that's always been a part of human subcultures, always been a part of our of our thoughts, of our dreams, of our fiction. Is that there's a massive creature, something massive under the waters, and we can't see it. We can't make out, we can't get a read on it. We already know that colossal squids are real. Sperm whales like Moby Dick are definitely capable of doing the things that Moby Dick did a big shark 
that's over 20 feet, 5 feet in length. That was found. There's videos from, I believe, like 2018, 2019 of a shark, of a great white shark, 25 feet in length, approaching a, a dive cage. It was a female off the coast of Mexico. And it's crazy. The guy even touches the shark. That's Jaws. Jaws was a 25-foot shark. And that's real, guys. That's a real thing. Maybe not the monstrous head that Jaws had. Because really the size of the head that of Jaws, it would be really like a 30, 40-foot shark. But in the film, they mark it as 25-foot great white. Which is, is in existence. It's real. That's that's crazy to think about. That's crazy to ponder. That that was a thing of fiction. It was it was meant to be fantastical. It was meant to be like out of this world, and it was meant to be an anomaly in a film like Jaws. But it's real. There's really a twenty-five foot great white shark out there. Maybe off the coast of Mexico. They sometimes come up to Florida. They go up north to North Carolina a lot. They're a really highly migratory species. But back to the bloop. So I want to describe some of the technologies they were using at the time to discover the sound. So they had hydrophones. Hydrophones are basically underwater microphones. It's the best way to describe them. The noise uh, was picked up by NOAA, uh, they have a Pacific uh, Marine Environmental Laboratory. And then the U.S. Navy also helped with a surveillance system they call uh, the Sound Surveillance System, or SOSUS. Um, apparently, they also involved, like, Soviet submarines at the time to, to interpret this bloop. Again, this rocked the Marine scientific community for a while and again a lot of people thought that was a marine mammal a lot of people thought that this was an animal for many years for over a decade many people believed that it was an animal until this idea of underwater glaciers and ice calving came about which i still don't think a lot of people believe i still don't think that if you really asked the scientific majority or even your local marine biologist, I don't think that everyone's going to have the same answer. What type of creature would you imagine the blue being? Would you imagine like a big Cthulhu creature? Man, we even forgot to talk about that movie Underwater, which is actually really good. This it was a Kristen Stewart movie. TJ Miller's in it forever. Sometime, um, I really recommend it. It's called Underwater. Very, very good movie about the depths. I think uh, the reason why deep water is so interesting because it is the one environment you can make a very, very good connection to outer space being. It's just as vast. Gravity doesn't really matter out there. And if you mess up in one moment, you're done. 
you're kaput. It's an interesting concept. It's an interesting, scary thing to think about. And again, this is something as is a it's a pretty popular and still functioning part of fiction and human fiction on our earth that there is a big huge gigantic creature or just a bunch of creatures living right under right under the glass right under the waves there's something that no human has laid their eyes on before and is as massive as a five-story building. I I always like to go back to a thing that happened in my real life that reminds me of like how something massive can be hidden right under right under the top of the water. Me and my dad were were very popular. We're very often in the water. We're very often going fishing or being out in blue water. It's kind of our sanctuary. It's kind of where we look for reprieve from the normal days. So me and my dad were out about 10 miles offshore of Miami, around 1,200 feet of water deep water when you're out that deep is like really really dark navy blue it's it's a it's a different color of blue that you're used to it's almost like ominous the color blue and it was a twilight day because it was late afternoon so the sound the sun was kind of bouncing light off the waves in a way that is kind of blinding to you if you don't have sunglasses on it makes it really hard for you to look so we're driving back home and we feel a thump a powerful hit to the bottom of the boat it felt like a submarine hit us and me and my dad had to catch our footing we had to grab the railings of the boat, make sure we didn't, you know, get knocked off. And we both got back up when we looked behind us. And bobbing out of the water was an electrical pole that must have gotten ripped out of whatever country or whatever island it was on. Must have gotten ripped off from a hurricane and has been floating with transformers, I want you to understand it with transformers on it, with the T, with the wires still coming off the T of the pole. It was just floating out there, guys. And me and my dad, we've been on the water for years. For most of my life, I've been on the water. And we couldn't see it. Something that was easily 20 feet long. Something that if I was on a plane, I would have easily seen. When you're on a boat, you don't can't see that well, especially in those conditions. It's crazy when you see something that massive come up behind you that you didn't think was there. It's a scary thing.
makes you appreciate life. It makes you appreciate what you what is able to be seen. The bloop is crazy, and I know I've been talking a lot about how it could be a disastrous, scary creature, a monster, but it also could just be just a bigger whale. It could also just be a cephalopod of some kind, like some type of really cute, massive cuttlefish. It could be like a million other things. We just always resort to being a villain. We always resort to being a vile, horrible thing that's coming. When it could be also something very beautiful. It could be something that has a bioluminescence body. Something that looks like a nightclub floating in the middle of the water. You know. Bioluminescence is when something glows in the water. Just feel like I always have to explain certain I guess uh, scientific terms. Um, the bloop is a crazy, crazy occurrence. Again, it happened in 1997. There's a whole Wikipedia page dedicated to it. There's a whole web page dedicated to it. Again, many of the films since 1997 that involve a big creature coming out of the water took at least some basis of the blip from it. Specifically, Cloverfield. Pacific Rim, The Abyss, films like that. Though all these films that involve like a massive item or creature coming out of the water, it comes from the bloop. It, it's and it's also in an unexplored area, really. Of the, I mean, I've already described that five percent of the sea has only been explored, but this is a very unexplored area of water because that area. In, on the tip of South America, on the bottom tip of South America, is very unexplored. I think Antarctica itself is very unexplored. It's so darn cold down there that it, it makes it almost impossible for human life to be sustained down there. It just it, there is some mysticism, there is some magic still out there, guys, and that's what this podcast is about. It's about exploring these things about exploring the ideas and the concepts that beneath the waves, beneath the water there's something you've never seen before just waiting that's the end of this episode this is our first episode of the Weird Waters Podcast I hope you enjoyed this first one we're going to have many more come we're going to have some guest members come on and uh talk about topics they would like to talk about i am always open to any topic the only thing is it has to involve h2o it has to involve water in some way possible that's the only gimmick of the show i hope you enjoy the gimmick we are brought to you here of course by day county comedy day county comedy we're doing uh comedy shows all across south florida be sure to check us out on datecountycomedy.com we have dates on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and many more days to come. Definitely want to check out all of our comedy shows coming up. We have a great line of comedians every time. And uh, if you're an open micer, if you're a person that wants to participate in an open mic ever, it doesn't always have to be comedy. It can be poetry. Hell, it could even be some music. We are about it. Thank you so much. My name is Raul. Have a good night. Take it easy. And enjoy the weird waters. <laughs>